and Carol and all of you. Are you we are all well, aren't we? Yeah. Amen. Well, that's great. I can see that uh, we're taking the virus thing very seriously here. I was joking with the drummer early. He's already self-isolating. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we'll have the, something around the praise team. They'll be in glass. <laughs> Amen. We're trusting the Lord, aren't we? Amen. Trusting the Lord. Psalm 91, you know, you'll deliver us from the pestilence. You know, the Bible says two things are going to happen at the end time before Jesus returns. One is, uh, and they're both opposites. They're not contradictions. They're paradoxes. As you know, paradox is something that is true. Uh, two things that look opposite are both true because they're happening at the same time. The Bible says two things will happen. One is many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. That's people who were in church, stopped coming to church. Now, some people stop going to church for health and other things, or well, they move away. But the Bible says in the last days there will be people who will depart from the faith. But the Bible says at the same time, he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. He says, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. Not coronavirus. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. So this morning, I want us to talk about the pervasive power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And uh, that was a good place to say amen, that was there. Because I'm telling you, friends, there's probably, apart from salvation, there is nothing more important that you and I should be getting a grasp of is the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me say straight away, that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today. I'm going to give opportunity at the end, if you're not baptized in the Spirit, to be prayed for, for you to receive your baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to be doing that at the end. So what I'm going to be doing is looking very biblically about the power of the Holy Spirit. Or we should really say the person of the Holy Spirit. Because people talk about the Holy Spirit as if it's uh, just a power. And it's, the Holy Spirit is not a, a, an it. It's, you know, have, have you received it? It is a person. It's the third person of the Trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, do you know, even though I've been a Pentecostal all my, incidentally, all my life, and incidentally there's a book there about my 50 years in ministry as a pastor, and uh, the reason I mention it here, I mention it every time I come, the reason I mention my two books here, the one's a novel, one's this, is that this will be the last opportunity to get this because the ones I have with me are the last copies. It's been published twice. It's been, obviously, thank God for that, but the thing is I'm not going to immediately publish it again. So if you want a copy of this, then this will be your last opportunity to get it. Those are five pounds. So I've been a Pentecostal a long time. I was born, my father was, as you, as you already know, my grandfather were Pentecostal pastors. And so you would think, you would think that Pentecostal people like you would be very clear about the Holy Spirit. But there's so many places I go to, even Pentecostal churches, and I'm a different church every week, as you know, that... Um, it's a very kind of one- or two-dimensional view of who the Holy Spirit is. And when we understand it, because this is not a Bible study. Bible studies are important, but they talk to our heads. Are you with me? I want to talk to our spirit. I want to talk to our heart. I want to say, how does my encounter, your encounter with the Holy Spirit, make a difference to my life? How will my life change as a result of a deeper encounter with God, the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to look at that. Now, at the point that you became a Christian, your body became the temple of the Holy Spirit. We know that, don't we? He came to dwell in you. 
So I think in a previous time when I was with you, we talked about in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, just ordinary believers in the Old Testament, and they would prophesy, there would be miracles, and then he would lift from them, and he would go away to another time when he would come back upon them. So they were empowered while the Holy Spirit was upon them. But in the New Testament, and particularly as we'll see later in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit didn't come and leave them. Now, sometimes we do feel, you know, if you're going through a hard time, you wonder if the Holy Spirit's there. But, you know, as we heard earlier on in that lovely worship time that we had there, He has promised never to leave us or forsake us. And Jesus said one week before He went to the cross and before He then rose from the dead, He said, unless I go the comforter, or the advocate cannot come. And he referred, he was referring to the Holy Spirit. And when the comforter came, there is never a time when he leaves. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about times when he really encountered God in an unusual way. One time he said, I was caught up to the third heaven. God took him up into heaven. And there's other times when he would get on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. When he was converted, God spoke to him audibly. And there were three or four times that Paul speaks about as very special when God appeared in a powerful way. Here's the point. Although God used those three or four times, that wasn't the only time God was with him. God was with him even when he didn't feel that God was with him. And that's why the presence of God becomes so powerful. Because the indwelling, now God is everywhere, that is, there is no place we can go at any time or anybody could go when God isn't there, right? Now that David in Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your presence? If I go up into heaven, you're there. If I go in the depth of the earth, you're there. If I go to the east, to the west, you're there. He says, I can't escape. Well, God is omnipresent. He's always there. When we talk about the presence of God for you, we're talking about the indwelling presence of God which is a different level, because the Holy Spirit interacts with us at different levels. I have unsaved friends who would say to me, after I pray for them, I feel something's happening around my life. I feel something's, and you know, they feel the presence of God. Now, the Holy Spirit is dealing with them at level one, externally, but they have not received him as Savior. When they receive, my friends receive him as Savior, they indwell him or her. Are you with me? But then there's another level encounter, and that's what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Right? It's the second blessing. Now, there are people who say, oh, well, conversion and the baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of the same thing. Well, it's not one of the same thing because, you know, uh, the Scripture says, and we'll come to it later, where in the book of Acts, um, there were disciples who were following Jesus, uh, and the apostle says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And he laid hands upon them, and they spoke in tongues. And so there is three levels of the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian today, then God loves you, he cares for you, he wants to bring you to himself. And the Bible says no man or woman can ever come to God unless the Father draw him. That's an influence of the Holy Spirit. See, you and I can't get anybody saved. We can't get anybody saved. It's not a case of my argument and your, their argument, and we have this discussion. I can remember a friend of mine, I was his best man, and he was my best man later. But when I first met him, uh, I was single, and he had a girlfriend, and he had a girlfriend, and those two girlfriends were friends. So that's how I met him. 
And uh, I remember in Manchester where I was brought up, walking, where we used to get the last bus from the centre, back home from the centre of Manchester. And w when we got off the bus, we'd continue walking and talking, walking and talking. And very often, there's no, I had to just walk miles to get home. Because he wanted to know, but he had not made a decision. I thought, I wonder if Keith will ever make a decision to follow the Lord. And one day, uh, I had just changed my job. I, I remember I was, I was ill. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling well. And uh, I'd invited him to a, a meeting where there was a mu no preaching, actually. It was a music group was on, Christian music group. And uh, my, because my father was a pastor, our house was next door to the church. And I was, uh, I was in bed ill. And he decided to turn up to the meeting. He very rarely came to church. It was just these long talks. And I felt, Lord, I'm getting nowhere with him. And one of the ladies who was in this group, a strange name of a group, a Paul Breck singer, as they were called, she introduced a song. Now, later that day, I said to my father, if anybody from the church wants to come and see me, Dad, I'm, I'm just I'm too ill. I'm very rarely ill. One time, I, I think this is the only place I've ever not come to because I was ill in 50 years. So that was rare that I was ill. So I thank the Lord I've never really been ill. But I said, Dad, don't bring anybody in the, you know, to see me. Because in the bedroom, you know, I'm just too ill to see people. I'm a young man at the time. Anyway, there's a knock on the door, and here's my dad. I said, oh, what's I told him not to bring anybody in. And he brings in this friend of mine that I'd been witnessing to. He said, I think you'd want to meet Keith today because he's just given his life to Christ. Because in the introduction of a song, something, I, the Holy Spirit had just spoken into his life. All my arguments, are you with me? All my trying to convince him about that God exists, they hadn't, they'd only hit his head. But the Holy Spirit, someone say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had just captivated him. He had drawn him to himself just in the introduction to a song. So the three levels of influence of the Holy Spirit, one externally where God is speaking to him, because the Bible says we can't come to him unless the influence of the Holy Spirit, and Father, uh, God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit into, uh, does that. Then the next level is we are indwelt by the Spirit. Now, let's just not deal with the baptism of the Holy Spirit just yet. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit that, if you're a believer today, is already in you. If you're not a Christian, one of the reasons you may well be here is you say, well, I thought I might go along to church today, or you might have been coming for a few weeks, for all I know. You think it's a decision you're making. Let me tell you, it is God drawing you closer and closer to the point you make a decision. And you will make a decision at some point when you're ready. And I would encourage you, if you're not a Christian, you've not made that uh, made that commitment to do so today. Come and see me. Come and see the pastor or perhaps a Christian friend who may have brought you. I wouldn't know that. I'm a visitor too. But now let me speak to those of you and those of us who are believers because there are six primary symbols in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to speak long of them, obviously, because I want to come to the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a minute. And these symbols of the Holy Spirit, they give us a different indication of His nature. And not only is it a different indication of his nature, it also gives us an indication of what he wants to do in your life today, here in Harlow at this moment. One of those symbols, as we know, is a dove. When Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist, it said the whole Trinity made itself present at that moment. Jesus was standing there as the Son of God, right? The Father, the first person of the Trinity, calls out of heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
So you've got the Father and you've got the Son. And then it said the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. But not only is the dove the symbol of the Holy Spirit, we know the dove is the international symbol of peace. And you see the picture of the dove very often when it's a symbol of peace with an olive uh, um, twig in its mouth. And that is because when there was a flood across the earth and Noah was in the ark, um, they, sent out a, they sent out a dove and when it returned it had some uh, olive, not a branch, a leaf, it'd be a big dove if it had a branch, wouldn't it? And, uh, an olive leaf in its mouth which said, hey, the, the waters may have receded. Listen, God's judgment on the earth is over. That's something we should be thinking about now. God's judgment on the earth is over, and the water's receding. That means the tops of the trees, olive trees are not big trees. It's not like a big oak tree. Olive trees are relatively small. And it had obviously taken that, brought it back as a sign that the epidemic of the water had gone. He said, John, what I could do now, I, if you knew what I was going through, then I just need God's peace in my life. If you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, which you have if you're a Christian, then a sign of his work within you is an an increased sense of peace when in the natural you wouldn't feel it. I'm talking to a sister before the meeting, bless her heart, who is facing a big operation soon. And we share that. You would have been praying with her in the church, I'm sure, and you will be praying for her. I'm not going to obviously mention her name or point her out. If you don't know, well, you don't know. But she, I tell you what, when you're looking towards something that's a big operation, you need the peace of God in your heart. I can remember my wife Marilyn, she was, she's had two big operations. In fact, she's had three really big operations, including cancer. And I can, I, I can remember being called into the, um, the specialist consultant's office to be told, we didn't know we were going to be told what the, we knew we were going to be told what the results were, but what we didn't know is what the results were. In other words, was the tumor benign or was it okay? And we went into this little room. And I remember, have I ever told this story before? I don't think so. So we went into this little room, and the fact I was called in, we knew it was going to be a problem because to bring me in. This was 10 years ago. We went into the room, and I was surprised because it was such a tiny room. There was the, the specialist behind his desk, which just about fitted in there. There was two seats for Marilyn and I, and there was a seat here in which there was a nurse sitting. And I wondered why the nurse was there. So he then tells Marilyn that you have cancer, and you're going to have to be operated in both breasts. You're going to have to... There, we don't know how far it's spread in your body, but it's going to be a big operation. It's going to be a long operation, and so forth. So Marilyn doesn't appear to react. He said, did you hear what I just told you? She says, yes. He says, do you realize how serious this is? She says, yes. So he's he's a bit strange. And we found out later why the nurse was there, that when people get that kind of news, they react in different ways. Some of them collapse, so they need a woman nurse there to help. Some of them start crying, and they need a woman. Some of them get angry and attack the doctor as if it was his fault. (laughs) And Marilyn wasn't reacting. And so he says, well, is this sinking in? He says, she says, it's sunk in. She says, I understand that. She said, I'm, I'm a Christian. Um, and she said, I believe that God can heal me supernaturally or he can heal me through your good 
work as a surgeon. You know, we, those of us who believe in the supernatural, we mustn't forget to pray for our doctors and nurses because God uses them as well. God wants to, you know, sometimes doctors and nurses can feel a little bit, oh, we're not important because, you know, oh, yes, you, we're, we're God's plan B. No, God can use you as plan A. We need to be praying for our doctors and nurses at this time. So she said, he may heal me through your good work. Or he may heal me supernaturally. He may not heal me. She said, I'm sitting there. I'm supposed to be the preacher in the family. He says, he may not heal me. And if he doesn't heal me, then I know that death is not the end. And I will go on to meet the Lord. And I'll see John again one day. The surgeon is unbelievable. He can't believe it. That is the presence of the dove in your life. Giving you peace. Now, I'm not saying there hasn't been times in our life, married 47 years, we haven't worried, when I haven't worried, when I sh- shouldn't have worried. Are you following me? But there are supernatural moments. So I'm not making out, you know, I never have concerns. I'm human, and I have to, I'm a disciple as well. I'm a learner. Marilyn's a learner. But there are times when God supernaturally deals with us and gives us a peace. The Bible calls it that passes understanding. And the peace that's understandable is when you've been told you don't have cancer anymore. That's a peace understandable. What isn't understandable is when you've told you've got it and you're still at peace. And the presence of the Holy Spirit means that there should be a sense of the dove there within our... Number two is oil. Now the Bible uses a symbol. If any of you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and they will anoint him with or her with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. Oil is not supernatural. It's not magic. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of God's anointing. And so, therefore, that's the next thing. Not only should we to have a peace within our spirit, but also if the dove should be there, that symbol. But also, too, we should understand that there is a desire for healing and soothing. Those of you taking notes, write down. I won't read it for the sake of time. Psalm 55, Isaiah 1, verse 6. One of the places I used to enjoy ministry sometimes is in Sicily, which, is, as we all know, is right there at the bottom of Italy, that little island there, and that little tip at the bottom of Italy. And uh, beautiful olive groves, and, and one day before the meeting or during the afternoon, I was there for a few days, and one of the members of the church said, do you want to come out just for a walk and just see where I live? Marilyn and you want to come for uh, a coffee or something at our house? And surrounding the house with these incredible olive groves, and uh, obviously that produce olive oil. And uh, I don't know anything about, I'm from Manchester, you know, where the birds don't sing, they cough. I mean, there's nothing green around there. You know, I, I live in the countryside now, but I was brought up in the inner city. So I knew nothing about olive groves. You know, we've been looking to find a, some grass where I lived in the kind of Coronation Street area of Manchester. So anyway, um, so I'm learning about olive groves. I'm learning about olive groves. And I said, what would you call totally pure oil. And he said, totally pure oil is oil without any acidity in it. Most oil has some acidity in it, but if it's totally pure, it'll have the minimal amount of acidity. Do you know what I've noticed, being a pastor a long time, that when the church, when God is blessing the church by the presence of his Holy Spirit, there is no acidity in our conversation. There's no bitterness. There's no gossip. There's no, you know, you know, there's gossip and there is 
and none of that, this isn't in my notes, um, and I don't for one minute think there are any gossips in the room, but this is just to help us always to guard ourselves for a future time. There's gossip in what I call spiritual gossip. Did I explain to you? This is what gossip is. Oh, have you heard about their marriage? It's, I think it's in trouble. Gossip, gossip, gossip. I think, you know, that's gossip. This is spiritual gossip, and, and that's an in inverted commas. Um, I've just noticed they don't seem to be getting on very well. Please put them on your prayer list, won't you? Sorry, that's gossip. That is just using a spiritual way of saying somebody else is going through worse stuff than we're going through. Now, if people are going through stuff, then we need to pray for them, yes. But not go around the church telling everybody the news, because that's just... That's a, and it's not, even, it's not spiritual, really, because there's nothing spiritual about it. So, you know, when, when the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is moving in, we think, oh, what a great meeting, the Holy Ghost was there. For some people, that means falling over, or goosebumps. I hope that the presence of the Holy Spirit is more than falling over and goosebumps. Because there's a bit of waste of the, tr- the whole trinity. Now, I pray for people and sometimes they fall over. And if I put my fingers into that socket, I might fall over with the power. <laughs> right? So I have nothing against the external expression. Are you following me? Nothing against it. But it's got to be more than external existential feeling. It's got to be something. There must be a greater peace in my life if I have the Holy Spirit. There must be a lack of bitterness and acidity in my conversation if I've got the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? So we see how the Holy Spirit is not just some kind of concept. It's not a Pentecostal concept. When the Holy Spirit is working in our life, there should be a deeper sense of peace and the, and the lack of acidity. Number three that we're looking at is this, wine. Never get an amen when you say wine in the Pentecostal church. But the Bible, you know, the Bible talks about wine as, as a symbol of joy. Some people are unhappy and so they drink to get happy to drown their sorrows. Are you following me? And what does the Bible says in Ephesians 5.14? Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Because our joy comes from the Lord. Not only does our peace come from the presence of the Holy Spirit, not only does a lack of acidity in our conversation, our life is there because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, but also, too, there should be a sense of joy. Uh, You know, and I see Paul and Silas locked into the prison cell in, you know, in, in the jail in Philippi, and the Bible says they beat their backs and um, they beat their backs until it was bleeding, and they put them into the inner cell and they put their feet in the stocks. Now, when you put people's feet in the stocks, it's so they can't move and escape. You didn't need that in the inner prison because you're already in the inner prison. You'd have to get out of the inner prison, get out of the other uh, bars and the beyond that and beyond that. So it wasn't security. Do you know why they put people's feet in the stocks in the inner prison? And this is not very nice to say this, but I've got to tell you, there was no, um, there was no toilet facilities in a prison. So you can imagine the state of the cells. And when they put their feet in the stocks, it forced their, it was torture, they forced their bodies back onto the ground and their backs are bleeding. It was a form of extreme torture to force them into the infection. They didn't die by the beating. They would die by the infection. And Paul and Silas had been put into the inner prison. And the Bible says at midnight, they were worshipping God. Hey? I mean, 
Praise in a prison was as rare as pork in a synagogue. It just didn't happen. Crying, cursing, swearing, but not praise. Now, come on, I am not going to, I, you know, I'm, you've known me long enough now to know that I don't just talk a good game. I've talked about times, you know, when God's given a supernatural peace and so forth, but also I've also been honest to say, sometimes I've struggled to say, God, what are you doing in this situation? Have you ever done that? And let's be honest, we do do that. But when the power of the Holy Spirit is working in our life, he gives us a joy that is not related to our circumstances. You may have heard this as cliche. I didn't make it up. I didn't make this up. Um, it's been a cliche for years, but it's very true. Happiness depends on happenings. So if a good thing happens, I'm happy. If a bad thing happens, I'm not happy. Joy depends on Jesus. Joy is something that doesn't depend on happenings. And so, therefore, it's possible to be... And I think I, I preached it so many times. I'm sure I told you the story where I got some bad news when I was staying somewhere at the Bible College at the night. I received some bad news. I would very often, when I was traveling, instead of going to hotels and stuff, I would um, stay at the Bible College when it was in Cheshire. And the, no students were there, and I was at the, staying in one of the students' rooms that had been made available to me to... Um, to stay, to break my journey overnight, going up to Scotland or somewhere. And I got received some very bad news. And have I told you, wait to me if I told you this before, no? Right, I got this bad news. And I'm the only person in the college, right? And you'll see why that's important in a minute. And I thought, well, I'm going to have a shower, go to bed. I'm not going to sleep tonight, no way. This is, I'm not going to tell you what the news was, it's personal, but it was nothing that was going to change in a few hours. Are you with me? And I thought, there's no way I'm going to sleep tonight. That's me finished. It's not going to happen. I'm going to be tossing and turning all night. And I began to toss and turn, and I felt the Lord say to me in my spirit, John, why don't you practice what you preach? That's a terrible thing to say to a preacher, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you preach about joy. I mean, I've, this particular message, I, I'm, you know, I've prepared this for you today because I want to speak on the Holy Spirit. But I've obviously preached on praising God in difficult circumstances and everything gives thanks for this is the will of God concerning you and all that stuff. And um, I said, well, Lord, you know, he said, well, will you, ask, you tell other people to do it. Now you've got this news. And so I thought, well, I better add. So I get out of bed and I'd like to say I was a great man of faith and started punching the air and jumping around. So thank you, Jesus, you're more than a conqueror. But I didn't. I got out of bed and this was me. Thank you, God, that you are more powerful than this difficulty and this problem. Then something began to bubble in my spirit, and I began to say, Father, you are a great God. You are powerful. Then I began to speak in tongues, which I'll come to in a minute. Then I began to worship. This is why it was good. There's nobody else was around. My circumstances had not changed, but the Holy Spirit was creating a joy and a peace within my spirit. Are you following me? It doesn't happen. We have to, you have to work at it. You have to work at it. You know, a pastor friend of mine, I was having, some, um, having lunch with this week, or he's having lunch with me this week. He's just got to, he's a pastor in Canesham, and he's, just, he's also a, a champion weightlifter. He's just uh, broken two British records this week. And, um, and if you tell that, you know, if you, if you want to be a champion weightlifter, you know, or I do, I won't just enroll, enroll next week because the process should have been going on in my life for a long time before I even got there. You following me? 
It doesn't, you just don't make a decision. And you know, when stuff hits us and we say, all right, I want to experience joy. If we've not been living close to Jesus, if we've not been living in the power of the Holy Spirit, if we've not been spending time in prayer, we can't just become a champion spiritual weightlifter overnight. That's why it's good. You know, the Bible says about the ant, he said the the ant is one of the tiniest and weakest of all things, but it's very wise, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, because in the summer it stores up its food so that in the winter, not not store up its toilet rolls, incidentally, it stores up its... It stores up its food in the summer, so in the winter when there is no food, it can survive. And God calls it wise. Now, I have a, I, I've got, a, once again, I don't break confidences, but I've got a pastor, a friend of mine, he's retired now. I buried both of his daughters at different times. In the world, people would have forsaken God. They would have walked away. He hasn't. And he's gone through other stuff, that health-wise and other stuff, and his family have gone through terrible stuff. He has never argued with God because in the times when things were going well, he was inviting the Holy Spirit to deal in his life. So when things went bad, he had a resource, amen, to draw upon when they went bad. And so this, so well, I'll wait, John. What I'm going to do is thank you for this word on the Holy Spirit. So when I get in a bad time, I'll start praying. I'll start speaking in tongues. I'll start, no, that's too late then. Well, it's not too late, but you're not going to get the benefit. It's now when we should be engaging with the Holy Spirit. It's now we should allow the dove to be in our spirit and the oil to be on our soul and so forth. So let me move on. So dove, oil, wine, that's the joy of the Lord. Psalm 104, Ephesians 5.18. And then wind, that's the supernatural effect upon our life. John 3 verse, eight, um, that 3 verse 8 is Nicodemus coming to Jesus, the religious man. It's like the Pope going, uh, a religious person. Not, not, I'm not saying anything about the Pope, but it's a top religious leader who was embarrassed to go to Jesus because he didn't know how to get to heaven. He's the top Jewish leader. And so he went at night time so no one would see him. And he said, how can I get to heaven? I've got religion. I've got a form of religious practice, but I haven't got any sense of connecting with God at all. You can have religion and not have Jesus. We know that, don't we? Perhaps some of us had religion before we found Christ. Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. He said, what do you mean? I have to go back into my mother's womb to be born. He says, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. He said, you need to be born of the Spirit. He says, the wind blows where it will. Now, if you just, just turn around with me and just look at that lovely tree out there, the white covered tree, I don't know what, what kind of trees are, I don't know. Now, you see the wind in it? I was witnessing to my neighbor about three or four weeks ago, and we were talking about the Lord and and uh, he says, well, I, I don't believe in anything I can't see. He said, if I can't see God, I don't believe God exists. If I, you know, you show me God. So I got on very well with this chap. I've known him for all the time I lived in the village. And we've had a number of conversations about the Lord. And so what I said to you just sounds a bit hard. So, but it's not because we get, you know, he knows me. I said, well, you don't love, you don't love your wife then, eh? He said, Pardon? Of course I love my wife. I've always been in love with my wife. I said, well, can you show me that for me? Well, no, because love can't be shown. You can't show it. 
I said, well, you've just told me you don't believe in anything that you can't see, so why should I believe it? I said, you believe in the wind? Of course I do. I said, have you ever seen the wind? He said, well, no, you can't see wind. He says, but you can see it by the effect it has upon the trees. The Spirit blows where it will. I can't produce the Holy Spirit, but I can say, look at that person's life because they should be in anxiety, but they're not because the Holy Spirit is blowing over them and they are revealing the effects of the Holy Spirit on their life. See, there's some things that are important to us that we can't show. We can't show. We can, we can say, oh, well, um, I love my wife because um, I give her gifts. Oh, is that right? So that means if you give, what, you mean you could give a mistress gifts. You following me? I said, that, you know, that's external. It doesn't say what's, well, I can't show you what's going on in my heart. I said, no, exactly. I see, that begins to think. The wind blows where it will. Pastor David and I were just chatting before them, talking about something entirely different to this, and just saying about, well, I was actually showing where I was recently, where um, something happened in a meeting that I hadn't planned for. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing, wasn't it? And I just said, well, Lord, I, just need, I haven't planned for this, so you just need to undertake. And God did a wonderful thing within the meeting. I won't go into what it is for the sake of time. What I'm saying is God all of a sudden will do things way outside our case, capabilities or expectancies. God wants to intervene in your situation, sometimes without any work on your part even. When people were fighting battles, God's word to the leaders of Israel were, stand still and see what the Lord will do. He will just intervene like a wind. He'll just deal with it. Did you see how this is not just theology. This is not doctrine. This is not just preaching stuff. This is my life changes when I engage with the Holy Spirit and I will expect to have God intervening in supernatural ways because I'm wanting to enter into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. Not just doing church, not just coming along and paying our tithe and just doing our duty for Sunday. It is engaging with the person of the Holy Spirit. John 3.8 was there. Is that pattern. Then let's go to two more, and then we'll come to the point of the baptism to close. Water. Jesus says to the woman of Samaria, what a story this is. The pastor mentioned this morning about the good Samaritan. And the Samaritan didn't speak to the Jews. It's the highest form of racism that was going on at the time. Didn't speak to one another. Didn't acknowledge one another. They'd rather spit at one another. But when the Jewish guy was beaten, beaten up and mugged, a priest went by and had nothing to do with him. A Levite went by, had nothing to do with him. But a Samaritan went by and poured in the oil and the wine. You see, oil that is, the, he poured in the oil and the wine into his wound. And do you, will you go back to say both of those are symbols of the Holy Spirit? The oil and the wine, the alcohol in the wine to stop the infection and the oil to bring healing. See, there's an infection that's been going around the world for a long time, and it's not coronavirus. It's an infection of a bad spirit and bad attitude. You ever walked into a room where there's been an argument, and the argument's stopped, but you can still feel the atmosphere? And then you begin to listen to them tittle-tattling about all, all the things. And when you go out, you feel actually unclean yourself, even though you've had nothing to do with the argument. 
It's infectious. And the Holy Spirit kills the infection. The wine gives a joy, it gives a, it, that the wine was involved. But the point was, that is like a Muslim finding you beat up and a fellow Christian leaves you and somebody else leaves you, but the Muslim comes to help you. That is the picture that's there. Or us helping a Muslim. Somebody was racially different. And so the woman of Samaria, not only was she a Samaritan, so naturally a Jew wouldn't speak to her, but also Jesus, having the word of knowledge and knowing all things, knew she's one of the most immoral people anywhere. And so she'd had a number of husbands, and Jesus said, actually, you've, you've had several husbands. Because she started, if you read it, in the context of the culture, she started to fl flirt with him. Jesus said, will you give me some water? And, uh, and, and then he talks to her, I can give you water that uh, you'll never thirst again. That kind of conversation, what she was picking up would not be what Jesus was trying to say. You follow me. We're adults here. A, why is this man talking to me, a woman? And why is we doing this kind of thing? And, and Jesus said, because he's a pure son of God and he wouldn't allow anything to... He said, can I just say I know all about you? He said, you've had a number of husbands already that you're actually living outside of marriage with somebody who isn't your husband. He said, I'm talking about a spiritual thing. Kills it right like that. Kills it just like that. He said, then later on in, the next, in chapter 7, Jesus says, let anyone who is... She said, and out of your innermost being will come rivers of living water. Refreshing. See, this is the wonderful thing about, about being in church with, you know, that what, this should be a place of refreshing. Elim was called Elim because our founders 105 years ago did not want Elim to become a religion and to become just duty coming. You want it to be called after an oasis. And Elim, as you know, is an oasis in the desert that people come to church here and that they feel refreshed. And they should want that in every church, whether they see them or not. I'm not too concerned about the label. It should be a place of refreshing. You should be going out this morning more refreshed than you came in. But even if you weren't here, and say you had to be self-isolated, and when you're spending time with the Lord, there's something, the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the Word. The work of the Holy Spirit within us doing something and, you know, challenging us and lifting us, you know, doing something within our life. Can you see some of the things that can happen for us good when we get hold of an encounter with the Holy Spirit? All of these things. <coughs> Don't worry about it. Usually most people have left the church by now because somebody coughed. Nothing to... <laughs> let it, John 7, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, John 7 whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Because at that time, it's still Old Testament stuff, the Spirit of God coming on people. But in Acts chapter 2, a few chapters later, then the Holy Spirit was going to come, as it did in the upper room, and dwell. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And then finally, fire. So Jesus says in Luke 24, 49... After he's now died, he's now risen from the dead, he's going to be ascended, he's going to go back and sit at the right hand of his father. He says, wait in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says, John baptized, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, verse 11, at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, John prophesied, I baptize you with water, but after me comes one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the last of the symbols. So what have we looked at? We've looked at oil, dove, oil for healing and soothing, dove, um, peace, wine, joy, wind, God's supernatural working in our life, water refreshing, and finally, fire. Jesus didn't say, wait in Jerusalem until you start speaking in tongues. No amen, sir. Didn't say that. He says, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power. And when we pray at the end, the importance will be, Lord, I want an increased sense of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life that will affect my, certainly, an increased sense of my peace, of, my, of, of the, the, the deportment of my heart, the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, are as important as the gifts of the Spirit. So what's the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, here we have a glass of water, which is filled with water. So your body, my body, became the temple of the Holy Spirit. If this keeps being filled to a degree that the water, there's so much of the Spirit that the water overflows, then it is baptized. Are you with me? That which is in is now outside. So when we're baptized by total immersion, we, don't, we could have a glass of water before you go in the tank, but when you come out of the tank, the water has not gone in you, hopefully. You have gone in the water and you are totally covered. Because people are healed and blessed out of the overflow of our life, the overflow of the Spirit. you following me? It's the overflowing. So it's an immersion. It's, it's a third work. So you've got the Holy Spirit who draws you to himself before you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit that indwells you when you are a Christian, and then they'd already had that. In fact, if you doubt that, it says in John 20, verse 22, before the day of Pentecost, Jesus, risen, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So here's the important thing. If you are saved, you've got the Holy Spirit within you, and you may not yet speak in tongues, but you have the power now to speak in tongues, though you may not yet have done it. Are you following me? Because he breathed on them before they later were to speak in tongues. Our time is going by. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Right, okay. So now I just want to just... I just want to tell you probably three stories. Incidentally, speaking in tongues is very important. The Apostle Paul, you know, wrote most of the New Testament. He said, I speak in tongues more than anybody else in the world. I speak in tongues more than you all. That's how important it is. But there are two things that are more important than tongues. There's a few things. One is salvation. It's more important that you're saved than you speak in tongues. It's more important that you love one another than you speak in tongues. If you doubt that, read 1 Corinthians 13. Though I have the tongues of men and angels and have not love, then I'm just a noisy person, a clanging gong, right? And the other thing that's more important than just actually speaking in tongues is that the power of God is over our life. And that power was power. This is what it says here. Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So it was power to witness. So let me tell you three stories. I'm 12 years old, 11 years old at this point. I've just passed my 11 plus. I've gone to the school I've gone to, and um, I'm a Christian. I made a commitment to Christ when I was a small boy, my grandfather's meeting, as I think I've told you before. But I was a shy boy. I was a shy lad. And, uh, you know, I was one of those people who were, was shy, was sports. I was probably the last person to be picked. If you're picking two sides, I'd be the last one to be picked. I was shy. I was on the edge of stuff. And yet I loved the Lord and I wanted to witness. I went, my parents went to visit my uh, grandparents. My grandfather was then the pastor of Elim Church in York. Um, now at this point, 12 years of age. And uh, so I've gone to this new school at 11, and, and I want to tell people about Christ, but I'm, I get tongue-tied. I'm worried about getting tongue-tied. Notice that phrase, tongue-tied, all right? A bit shy, but I want to do it. And, and I just found, I'm, I'm, I think I'm making a mess of it all. And so on this day, my grandfather says in the morning, like we're in a morning service, he says, tonight after the meeting, we're going to have a waiting meeting. We're going to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well... This, you know, he said, it's power. It's more, power is what it's about. And I'm thinking, well, I need power. I know I'm saved. I love the Lord, absolutely. But I've certainly got no power to witness, that's for sure. I remember sitting on about the third from the end on the front row. And the power of God came upon the, the people. They were mostly young people that were there. Uh, most of them were older than me, young people. But nevertheless, I was sitting there at 12. And this person, power of God came upon this person, this person. And then it came to me and I began to speak in tongues. Before I go on to what else about that, I went back to school the next week with a little, and it wouldn't be allowed today, but in my school uniform, I put a little gold cross inviting people to say, what's that cross so I could witness? I changed overnight. In the same way as when you get saved, you change overnight. Now, I was already saved. I love the Lord. But now, I just couldn't wait. All the scaredness had gone. I was scared about other things, right, perhaps, but not about witnessing. I was timid in other areas, but I wasn't about witnessing. And, I would, and this friend of mine, I led a friend of mine to the Lord, and he got a little, little cross and put it in his blazer. And, you know, we would spend every day, who are we going to talk to about Jesus today? Completely changed because of the power. Someone say power. power. Friends, if we're going to change this world, which is going further and further away from God, we need men and women filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, not afraid or intimidated in this kind of world where all it's cool and all it's woke kind of stuff and all it's political correctness. We need people of power, not people who just attend church. People who can speak out and say, I'm not afraid to be a Christian. And so the Holy Spirit, that, so, so it affects our testifying. Number two of the three I'm going to leave with you, it affects our worship. So my grandfather now, as he's a pastor of the church, of this church, and, and I'm not yet being filled with the Spirit. And he says, now what's going to happen? And I'm going to say this, and we pray in a few minutes' time. If any of you want to come forward, I'm going to pray with you. And uh, he said, I want you just to worship the Lord. Just speak out your worship. Well, I'm all, remember, I'm still timid. I've not been baptized in the Spirit. So I'm praying out loud. I began to pray. And you know what happened to me? I found, remember I said with witnessing, I couldn't find the words. Well, in worship, I couldn't find the words. I've got a fairly average vocabulary, decent vocabulary, but I couldn't find the words in my spirit to articulate what I felt towards God. And all of a sudden, when I came to the place where I just couldn't find the words, I began to speak in a language I couldn't understand. 
And I began to speak in tongues, and I found that I was now... I didn't understand what I was saying. It was an angelic language. I didn't understand what I was saying, but I, my spirit was being released, and I knew that what my spirit was saying was being interpreted to God. Are you with me? In praise. I, was, I didn't have a sense I was lost for words. It just flew, flowed out of me. But there's another time in your life, with this we close, when you can't find the words. Sometimes we can't find the words when we testify, and God gives us the power. He says, when you, when you hold off to court, he says, don't think in advance what you're going to say. Well, I get tongue-tied when they t- hold me to court for being a Christian. That might happen in this country. It's already happened in some places. 100 people to this point recently have lost their jobs because as a nurse at work or a doctor at work or as a marriage guidance person at work, they've stood on their Christian f- faith. And he says, when you go, don't worry about what you say, for the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Another time, and so that's one of the times. Then the other time is when we've, but you know, you and I go through such bad stuff in our life. When you've got somebody that's very ill that you want to see, or a son who's away from God, or a daughter that's away from God, or someone, whatever, and you say, Lord, I'm just using, I keep praying the same words, Lord, bring them back, bring them back. And the Bible says, the Holy Spirit, if you're baptized in the Spirit, God interprets when you speak in tongues you can't find the words and the holy spirit interprets your groaning and brings your prayer before the lord sometimes you've got a job opportunity you don't know which one to do it's not a bad thing you've got two jobs you don't want to do pray in tongues and when you pray in tongues you're always praying according to the will of god when I pray with my prayers, I'm praying for what I want. When I pray in tongues, I'm always praying because the Holy Spirit is interceding for me. Look at, some of you look at me and say, I don't think that's in the Bible. Let me read it to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, not itself, the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So when you speak in tongues, when you pray in tongues, I should say, so two things are happening. If you speak in tongues in worship, then that goes beyond your vocabulary. If you speak in tongues in prayer, you're always praying according to the will of God. And God always hears the prayer, obviously, of the Holy Spirit praying through you. Romans 8, 26 and 27. See, everybody goes to Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love God. You know, there's a great series I wanted always to do as a pastor, the verses in the shadows. We all know John 3, 16, but what about John 3, 15? What about John 3, 18? So Romans 8, 28, that's well known, but Romans 8, 26 and 27 isn't well known, is it? But we just found how to always pray according to the will of God. That's, that's, so read that again when you get home. So some of us have been baptized. Some of them are saved. Some of us are baptized in water. And you say, well, I'm doing pretty good. In fact, someone said to me who wasn't from a Pentecostal background, well, well I, I'm sure I'd get to heaven if I... I don't have to get to heaven to be baptized in the Spirit. I can live my life without being baptized in the Spirit. I'll still be worshipping God. I don't need it. I can get to heaven. I said, I could get to heaven without two arms and a leg, but I'd rather have it. You following me? 
Can you imagine when we release the Spirit into, just allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in our life? Now, I'm not a demonstrative person in the sense I don't preach up a storm. If you come out, I'm not going to push you over. I'm not going to start shouting over you. I don't, that's, I don't need to do that because that would be my fleshly energy trying to do something, and that's a waste of time. I can't baptize anybody in the Holy Spirit because I'm not the Holy Spirit. There's a clue there, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not the influence of the speaker on you, not the influence of John Glass on you, not the influence of the pastor on you. It's the Holy Spirit. So what I want us to do is this. I want us just to all stand. Can we all stand? No coercion, nothing heavy. And you say, look, John, I'm just looking at all those six things, the dove, the oil, the water, the pea, all those things. Well, Lord, I, I want a deeper encounter with you. And if that is you, just where you are, you just say, Lord, I just want, I, I want to get an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God the Father for drawing me to yourself. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I can speak to you and you intercede for me with the Father. But I just want to just begin to thank the Holy Spirit today for all that you want to do. Lord, deepen my relationship with the third person in the Trinity. Lord, I need more joy. I'm, I worry too much. I need more peace. Well, that's your encounter with the Holy Spirit. But if this morning you say, I would love to... I don't have the power in my life that I want to, and I, I haven't been filled with the Spirit, then I just want you to just make your way to the front. I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to shout over you. I will only gently put my hand on your shoulder and pray with you, and then I'll pray for the next person and believe that you are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if that's where you are, just make your way to the front right now. Just make your way out the front right now. I pray with you. Who's, who's going to be the brave person to come out? Lovely. Who's going to join this lovely lady at the front? Who's going to come out and be with her? Eh? Okay. And when you see how laid back it is in a way, and you say, well, it's okay, I think I will come out now because I realize there's nothing weird's going to happen. I'm not going to shout over anybody. I'm just going to gently go and pray with these folk here. Remember, I was, you said, well, I don't know my Bible well enough. I'm not mature. I was 12 when I received the baptism, okay? I was 12. Because I, I needed it at 12. In fact, I probably needed it at 7, but I got it at 12. Happened at 12. Friends, there's only so much we can do in our life. Humanly speaking, it's, I, but Bible says we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. So I'm just going to put my microphone down so that when I'm praying for people, people can't hear what I'm saying. I'm going to say to the folk at the front, I want you where you are just to begin worshiping God. Now you're praying for God's power over your life, right? But the evidence that we've been, one of the evidences at least of us being filled with the Spirit is that we begin to speak in tongues. And what just happens is this is exactly what happened to me when I was that boy on that day, same with you. Begin to worship God out loud in English. Don't have to shout, just need to speak out. Begin to worship. And then you will have a sense that the words you are using are just inadequate to express what your heart really feels. Lord, I, I, just, I love you more than my words are able to express. And you'll find that what will happen is, and this is just the practicality of it, and at some point, Pastor, you might want to close a meeting and let me continue to pray and let people go. It's up to you. You're in charge, obviously, of this. 
But I, well, what happens when people go, if you do go and pastor, if pastor chooses to dismiss the congregation, would you go quietly? Just not, obviously, uh, because I'll be praying with these people. And then if you want to talk with friends, do so in the foyer or wherever, or wherever you have a cup of coffee or something like that. So th I'll continue praying, but pastor will make that judgment. I know what time you finish at 12 o'clock, and it's 5 to 12 now, I realize that. So you begin to speak in English, and then, what, sim um, what shall I say, Syllables will come to your mind.